0: Hello and welcome to the BG podcast. My name is A.J. Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group. Joining us today is reporter Jack Craver, who has his own newsletter, the Austin political or Austin politics newsletter, rather, APN. Um, he, uh, I've known Jack for several years prior to him launching his own, launching the newsletter. He or has been a reporter for Austin Monitor, I think does some stories here and there um, as well as other news sites, but his main bread and butter and, uh, how I know him, um, know him is through APN, the Austin politics newsletter. Uh, we'll get more about what that is, the impetus of it and how you, the, uh, listener can subscribe to it. If you aren't already, uh, with that, though, I want to welcome Jack to the show and Jack. Hello. How you doing AJ? Thanks for having me. I'm well, man. I'm well, it's good to see you outside of city hall. So we're both, uh-huh. know, both uh, we're both in the lobby a lot. Just, uh, catching up on news and seeing what's what. So uh, thank you for your time. And our topic today is going to be just the state of the city and city council. We, you know, count this new council came in in January, January 6th. We're sworn in actually of Uh 23 and it's been roughly six months. A lot has happened as you wrote about. And I think a lot of the public knows um, about as well, but I want to spend time with you talking about just, just observations we've seen this first six months based on you know and how that compares to prior councils and based on again on what we've seen in this current last six months, what can we you think we can expect going into the next uh two quarters leading into 24?
1: Sure. So a lot has happened. Uh there's we can break it down into a few different um sort of themes. Uh the one of the biggest things that's happened is we have a new city manager we have an interim city manager and you know that that happened because you know city council voted well nearly unanimously to fire the old guy Spencer Cronk and mm-hmm. replace him with this interim city manager Jesus Garza and what's so notable about that is that Garza is a Watson guy i mean why is well, kurva Watson-
0: too and, and well i think for just for folks who aren't Right. Right. Around politics in Austin a lot. Right. Just just even explaining to like he's a Watson guy. But what does that mean in the context of our current mayor, Watson, and just the history of the city?
1: Sure. Sure. So Jesus Garza was city manager back in the 90s and early 2000s. His um, his last stint coincided with Kirk Watson's last uh, mayor, you know, when, when when Watson was mayor and uh the two were were great pals during that time uh, Garza was known to be a big fan of Watson credited him with doing a lot for the city and then um you know Watson went on and did did other stuff served in the state senate and Garza also went on and was the you know worked in the healthcare sector was the CEO of Seaton Healthcare for a long time uh from which he retired a few years ago but he stayed very active in in Austin in the Austin civic scene. And uh, last year when Watson was running for mayor again, Garza uh, was the treasurer of this political action committee that supported mm-hmm. Watson's mayor. You know, they spent about a million dollars in support of Watson's mayoral campaign. And so, and it was long rumored that when Watson came into office, he wasn't, you know, from the outside, he had seen city manager Spencer Cronk and wasn't a big fan. Thought that the city could use a new city manager, and you know, the the big power outage that we had in February presented this opportunity to do that. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, we can debate, you know, whoa. What about the police contract though too. I think that
0: was maybe this child broke the camel's back. I mean, it, that was the the ice storm with the contract, right? Discussion, which was kind of against. It was just more the will of overall of council too, right?
1: So, right. But I think I think Kronk's political fate was probably fate was probably sealed by the power outage. Mm -hmm. And um, but um, the police contract and that's that's a complicated subject to get into. But long story short, um, Kronk was, you know, pushed this police contract that that council did not support and was pushing it much more aggressively than he's pushed really any other policy during his five year tenure. And so there was this confluence of factors that made it very easy to fire Kronk. And so it presented this opportunity for Watson to get a city manager that, you know, he's mm-hmm. been, he's worked closely with for over, you know, for over two decades. And, um, so, you know, he, he, he has a, Hey, I, I know this guy, I know, Hey Zeus, I worked with him 20 years ago. He's great. He can be the interim city manager. Uh, council goes along with it. From the council members I've talked to, um, they, you know, they thought it made sense. It <clears throat> there aren't too many people who you could just bring in right away who had the experience to to hit the ground running. Um, but there's, of course, it it it's the irony is that. <laughs> City count right. Our city government does not have a strong mayor system, right? There's supposed to be this separation between city management and the elected leaders, and it's watching, watching what, watching it now with Jesus Garza in the city manager position and Watson as mayor. You know, y- you wonder if it's almost we ha- kind of have this de facto strong mayor system because we have a city manager who's so closely aligned with the mayor. Yeah, um, I would add too, for, just for listeners as well. Like when when uh, Jack mentioned
0: the you know the, the dynamics of city manager, to, city, the city manager to the, the city council. Yeah, um, Austin's a council manager city, which means our city manager is the CEO. Yeah, in terms of the city, the council being the board, um, the mayor being chair of that board. Um, right. The city manager is the highest ranking city official, or or uh, higher unelected. city official, an yeah, elected okay. official. Um, only the council can hire or fire that position, and that and under that position, though everyone else reports, police chief, fire chief, and and so on. And so I think I think though to your point too, it's there's not a lot of people who could do the job, right? And, and, the, and the optics are what they, what they are. But I think what interests me was just C manager jobs are inherently. I think of major cities aren't like if anyone lasts longer than five years, just because the na- the nature of it, right? Um, the power dynamics of it all. It's not, it's kind of part of the job. Like it's like a school board superintendent, right? The, or school superintendent. Those jobs right. aren't necessarily, it's kind of just, written, you, know, you know, you know, if you last long, a long time, you know, it's it's out of the norm. And I think that, that Jesus lasted as long, or city manager, his guards have lasted from 90, early 90s, which was pretty, I mean, I was at elementary school, I think, as you were, were you, right. but just the dynamics of Austin politics then, and kind of, we're not, not surviving, but just, Going through several council uh, cycles and mayors, um, you know, the optics are what they are, and that's, that's stuff that I know that's been written, out, written about us. Well. But just, you know, coming from the perception of where the city was under a priority manager and having someone who, regardless of the optics, may, may present a steady hand who had the experience to weather, you know, pondering up on future storms mm. could be a benefit
1: too. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so you're right. I mean, Spencer Kronk had been in the position five years. It, it is often said city managers don't last much longer than five years. Um, and but so the, the the last few months have been characterized by this stark contrast between Garza and his predecessor. Um, Kronk, I mean, opinions were mixed about him on, on council and at and at City Hall, but generally he was regarded as a much more passive figure. I mean, if there was one crit- criticism of Kronk, it was that council would tell him to do something, right? They're the policymakers. They're supposed to set the high-level policy and then direct the bureaucracy, which the city manager is in charge of, mm-hmm. to implement that policy. And so the critique of Kronk was that he was very passive. He didn't, you know, if if council wanted to really make a priority of something, you know, whether it was homelessness or police reform uh, or housing, he was very slow to act. He was very deferential to his department heads. Um, And Garza is very much the opposite, um, at least in these last few months. I mean, he's really come in and whether it's, whether it's surface level or, or something deeper, he's really moved, you know, his whole thing is, I'm getting things done. I'm getting things done. I'm shaking things up. I'm, you know, firing. We'll, we'll get people, to that later too. People. We'll get more depth okay. on that. Some of the changes have happened as well, right? And so um, you have this very active city manager um, who's definitely ruffling some feathers. Um, and we're we're th- this next six month is where we're going to see whether that sort of, you know, his bias for action, as he describes it actually translates into policy. Because right now what we're seeing is more just kind of behind the scenes stuff where he's, you know, making personnel decisions or, you know, remote work policies, things that the, the employees at City Hall care about. But, you know, those of us in the in terms of public policy, we're not, you know, there hasn't been an impact yet. Um, but so again, the changing of the guard at, at the city manager's office has been a big thing. But again, to remind everyone, Jesus Garza was appointed as the interim city manager. Mm-hmm. Count the city is now going into the formal process of searching for and finding a permanent city manager. Um, but that could take a long time. I mean, I, I would I would be I would be surprised if they have one. I mean, frankly, before the twenty twenty four election.
0: I think Cronk, it took that that process took about a year and some yeah. like 19 months or so. Yeah. 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 yeah and i view this one just based on the amount of visible I, I don't i think the the spotlight on the power of the city manager and what that just the system of Austin government became more became more in the spotlight coming out of going into the pandemic with the uh, the protests you know the social unrest around george floyd's murder and and covid and everything else people really saw i think people don't really they had a full grasp of how powerful that job is you know the calls to uh fire then uh apd or police chief manley and then see manager cron's refusal to do so um for that reason and you see it's happening at the school at the uh, or austin isd you know they're doing a superintendent search and i know it's come up it's written about as well with them about wanting that the the public's wanting more community engagement and involvement and that in itself is going to i mean in some way that somewhere or form i think believe that will happen it's just it will definitely add time to you know add time to process which you know which you know from the public's point of view might be desired right obviously it's interesting to me so kind of jumping into it too with the some of the staff changes that have ha- occurred uh up this last six months we saw a major sweep in in march right for those you yeah. know we uh we'll have, we'll have links to all of these releases in the show notes but march was uh you know for those who watch game of thrones it was like the red wedding <laughs> yeah you just saw like two rounds of it right the first kind of the first part of march, march 1st but, you know, several uh, heads were either, you know, people retirements or or resign or retirements okay. or resignations or fires, firings. And then later on that month, and then we saw some as well, um, we saw it was relatively calm. I think that we saw the removal of uh, Austin Energy General Manager, uh, Jackie Sargent. And then um, I think as of last, last Friday, there were announcement to some, of some, I think another round of uh, at least permanent hires, at least for now. Yeah, mm-hmm. including Austin, Energy, Austin Energy with uh, Bob Kahn, it's interesting to me. I love your take on this, Jack. Like, because I mean, ultimately, right? From my view, just from a organizational view, until a, C, a permanent CEO is in there, like if I was looking, to, you know, come in and be a head of a department, you know, or else, you want to, you know, who am I ultimately going to be reporting to, right? And this, I think, this is a valid observation. We have current, you know, I think there's there's a degree of permanence now, but. I, just, I wonder what that, you know, at some point we'll have this new city manager and where the dynamics will be in terms of what's been in place now. And that, her, you know, and it really depends on what person's coming from, what city they're coming from, their background, you know, their perspective, the kind of council they dealt with or worked, not dealt with, worked with,
1: and so on. What, what's your take on that? Right. So, I mean, the big theme. With Garza's moves is that he's bringing back a lot of old friends from the good old days of the the, the late 90s, people he's known from the city or people from his Seton um, healthcare days, and appointing them, you know, to 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 roles that they're they're generally familiar with. So he, you know, the he replaced the head of the airport with somebody who was the previous head of the airport, you know, years ago. Um, same thing with, uh, the, the, he put somebody in charge of public safety, right? Someone who the police and fire and EMS chiefs report to, uh, who was a former deputy police chief back in the nineties. Um, uh, he brought back an Austin energy and ERCOT veteran, Bob Kahn to run Austin energy. Um, he, you know, he hired this new spokesperson in this sort of vague communications role, this lady who's worked with him probably, you know, for two decades at the who worked. She was the head of uh, the city communications back in the 90s, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the recurring theme. Um, and again, like Garza, are these people sort of supposed to be in it just sort of in an interim roles, you know, they're rolling up their sleeves to to help out for a little bit, or are they going to be permanent? And then more importantly, too, some of these department, he's some of this restructuring of the bureaucracy that he's done, he's been merging departments and splitting up departments. For instance, he merged the transportation department with the public works department and the corridor office. Mm -hmm. Now, again, from the outside, that, that makes sense. Like in the, they're thematically very similar. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, but he also split up the planning department from the housing department. Um, he made some other moves that, that I can't remember right now. And again, do these work, you know, the, there's certainly a certain, there's a certain amount of skepticism among city employees about why this is happening Is is are these? Is he just making these moves to say that he's getting things done, or is there really some? Is there a plan uh, behind these these mergers and splits? Uh, and also, is to what extent is this driven by um, sort of a sound management analysis, and to what extent is this driven by sort of personalities like so and so? You know, I'm friends mm-hmm. with so and so. They're tired of this part of their department. Okay, let's split that one up. Uh. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think you know one that I one uh, interesting dynamic with kind of I think that uh, surrounds all this too is that we have a you know Mayor Watson will be up for re-election in twenty in November twenty-four. Yeah, right. And so ultimately, if you know it's and he's I believe I would be I've never talked about this, but I believe he's aware of this. Like all of these decisions, ultimately, he's going to have to own when it comes to his election, re-election. I think he's okay. aware of that. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I was he's a very <laughs> astute politician, right? I, I believe so. So that being said, right, it's it's, you know, I it, it like if I was coming the folk, the selections that have been made in America the, under C Garza, it's understandable that people who you've worked well with for intermoral will come in and do it versus having a process to find you just bring in your people like the government it, government isn't the business, but and you know, certain operationally, certain things are, I think, are, are similar, and I'd probably do the same thing, right? Well, as long as they're qualified. Ultimately, though, all these, you know, the fact that you know this was, this was, this was Watson's pick, our C manager guards interim C manager guards was Watson's pick, mm-hmm. and the cascade of that is, and you know, everything that happens occurs now. This is fully Watson's shop, Watson's show, in the sense of you know, C managers, you know, that the office is separate from council. The selection of that person from that everything else flows. Is that fair. And from that though, we come to re- so in terms of the I mean, ultimately the barometer is gonna be what the voters think about it right, right in this in the campaigns that come up. I'm sure whoever ends up campaigning, we'll get to that too. Got some predictions on 24. Um, but ultimately all this is leading towards making the case either for or against the you know the, the, the mayor's uh reelection campaign. Right? Both yeah. the decisions have been made, and I think you can look at I I in a prior show I mentioned I I kind of I tagged it as well that the bias towards the action era because it's it's you know he can you know whether people don't like decisions or not he made decisions and uh, you know I think this point is typically owned owned up to or own them and weather them right and for some folks he may like that decisiveness some folks may not need more deliberation we you know that, that we shall see in November right
1: so right I think that Watson knows that most Austin voters do not appreciate the distinction between, do do not appreciate that the mayor does not have a lot of power in city government. Um, as we see, you know, people, voters, if they're unhappy with the city government for one reason or another, um, I think there's a good reason to believe they'll blame the mayor, even though our mayor, again, Legally, is just a glorified city council member. I mean, the mayor of Austin does not have any, he does not have an administration uh, the way like the president or the governor does. Or he Houston, he's ha- mayor. Right. He doesn't have a veto power. Um, he's just a city council member, really. Um, and now, granted, because there's such a close relationship between Garza and Watson, um maybe it is more fair than than usual to um, view the, the the actions of the city bureaucracy as as the policies of the mayor maybe mm-hmm. you look um, at more too is like it's soft power right so similar you know
0: the governor of texas by constitutionally doesn't have a lot of power uh-huh. right but it's the power of this the the power of uh personality the, and they're still welding that soft part would you say the bully pulpit the bully pulpit right and you know that's where you know that 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 crafting kind of power from a weak position or you know an inherently weak position that's the political skill comes in right mm-hmm. and I think you know we look you know just Watson comparatively you know to our you know will Mayor Adler was mayor for eight for, for eight years right so that's why we we'll compare it to William compare it to in the modern 10 one era we have now um but there are different personalities right they're very, I mean, I they're very, I think mean, both, they're both lawyers. very sharp individuals, but personalities are very different, um, fully, I believe. Right. And so I think the decision, some decisions made if, you know, if Mira Adler was in would have been different than Mir Watson's in, but I think it goes right to just who they are and how they want to operate as leaders, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Not taking a right or wrong, it's just they're different people. Yeah. I think as well, too, you know, for just taking a step further for back, you know, I, I think. We we had so before before we had Spencer Crunk. There was an interim person. We had before, but prior to that was C uh, manager Mark Ott, mm-hmm. right? And um, and I wasn't around. Then. I, used, I I heard a little bit about him, but just I think his style probably was more in the vein of Spencer's or Spencer Crunk style. And so, but you know, it goes to just a, a major. You know, a lot of a lot of kind of we had a more more s- several past CEOs of the city, team manager of the city that weren't as direct potentially right and so there's that you know and and then also the kind of the the cultures that are built around that so it's a kind of a shock too you know it could be a shock to the system with what we have now because he is my was told very much the opposite
1: yeah and i I can't comment as as much on Ott either um although i do think he was he was certainly more had a reputation for being more confrontational than than um and more direct, but, um, well, let's, let's move on to, uh, what what else, what else has been going on? I mean, I think the other big, the the story that I focused a lot on is, is the housing uh, conversation. And so the big, um, you know, if, if anything, I think that the biggest thing that happened in the, the council elections last year, um, I mean, there was the mayoral election, which, um, justifiably got a lot of attention. Um, but really the big changes that that occurred were um district nine in central Austin and District Five in South Austin. Mm-hmm. Um Kathy Tobo and Ann Kitchen both retired and um were, were the, the 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 victors in those two races are very, very different from their predecessors. Uh, mm-hmm. Zoe Codry in District Nine and Ryan Alter in District Five are both sort of full-throated, pro-housing, uh, sort of yimbies, yes, in my backyard attitude towards mm. towards housing and zoning reform. And um, so what we now have on city council is, we, we now have what seems to be a very pro-housing, pro-reform city council um, that is very eager to break down zoning barriers that have inhibited housing supply, that have inhibited density, um, and, uh, I mean, the departure of, um, Kathy Tovo and Ann Kitchen, uh, the significance cannot be understated. Um, there's just, you know, we've, council has been passing all of these resolutions aimed at, um, sort of land use reform, and they've gotten almost no opposition, at least on the dais. No. And, um. Even though Kirk Watson, um, during the campaign against Celia Israel, Watson clearly made a move to to sort of campaign for the sort of, I'd say, uh, density hesitant or growth hesitant types of the neighborhood associations. He very much spoke to them. But so far, he hasn't put up any resistance uh, to that to the stuff. And so notably, like they passed a resolution calling for the elimination of all parking, you know, parking requirements. That was unfathomable a year ago. I mean, that was considered just very, very tough politics. And so they passed a resolution and, and you think this is very straightforward. And this is where the city manager and city bureaucracy comes in. They passed a resolution saying, we want to eliminate parking requirements for the code we would like city staff to come back by December first with an ordinance that does that. Now, will city staff do that? It seems pretty simple. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Other things, um, they're also, you know, passing resolutions to reduce compatibility, which is this re- regulation in Austin that limits the height of buildings within a certain distance of single-family homes. It's had a huge, it's a huge inhibitor of development on our big corridors, right? So South Congress or South Lamar or Burnett, if you've got a a piece of property on a corridor, on a big commercial corridor where everybody supposedly agrees it's okay to build a big apartment building. But if you're within a certain distance of a single family home behind the lot, you can't build high. So they're really going after that. Uh, There's been a number of other sort of housing related measures that have passed um, with little to no opposition, um, so there seems to be a big opportunity for for land use reform, um, and that that's a big change. Yeah, once-
0: I think you think. Compre- I mean, comprehensive land use reform uh, has been most far over, over to Our city has this the land development code, uh, which guides how you know commercial residential buildings are built. And the city in ha- Austin hasn't been updated since 1983, I believe.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, so when I was born, I was, you was know, 40 years old. And Austin yeah. 40 years ago was not Austin today, or where we're going and how we're growing. Mm-hmm. And so, but and there have been several, I mean, in the last, what, seven, eight years, there have been two attempts, at, or two attempts under the modern era, under Ten One to reform the, the yeah, eight, last eight years, to reform the land code. Um, both um went down for different reasons. And um, but a lot of that too, you look at the, the current council dynamics, I think, as we approach, I don't think nothing will happen this year, but we get through this next election cycle, particularly with having um, you know, we have some seats and West Austin there and we they're coming up termed out, District 7, District 10, presents potentially opportunities there um for something, you know, some changes in the uh, in 24 and on. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get to also let's talk about the elect this, you know, the upcoming elections too. I think some news okay. that broke uh, last week as well was uh Silly Israel had filed for to run for te- Travis County Tax Assessor Collector, which is the ple- te- collector of taxes for the county as well as ha- working with uh voter, voter registration. Bruce Elephant, the current holder of that seat, had stated he will not be running for election 24. Silly Israel, uh, as we as we mentioned earlier, was uh well. We didn't mention it as much, but she was the she ran against mayor Watson His last mayoral cycle, took him to a runoff and within 941 votes, I believe. Or not, was it 14, 914, 941? I was, thought it
1: was under 900 votes. It right? was,
0: yeah. If it, yeah, it was within a under, it was a really sharp margin, um, going into it. And I think she was, you know, prior to that, that news Thursday, I, I presume she'd be running again, right? Because also, keeping in mind, uh, the mayoral, the, why Mayor Watson has to run again in 24 is because prior to his election or two, year, three years ago, the Austin voters voted to align our mayoral election cycles with presidential election cycles. And right. so because mayor, then Mayor Adler was termed out, um, whoever ran and, and won this, uh, in 20, or this last year for mayor would be a two year term. Yeah. So which is, you know, two years, you factor in early voting. So you got a year and year and six months, maybe. Right mm-hmm. to get some things going um, for early voting starts. So, with that, I figured okay, that's not a big enough timeline for you know to really solidify an incumbency. Um, I don't believe over four years, and so I figured she'd be running again. But with her, if if she in fact won't be running, and that obviously things can change, but if she's not running, then the question becomes in whom you know, whom may be able to inherit her votes, right? Because I mean, the line like the vote, how the votes broke down was pretty much down I 35 east and west so it's a clear view you know if i was so inclined like a clear view okay well how what is the path to victory here Or does involve if you can if you can capture her, her prior coalition that's well actually a, it was oh.
1: mopac was the was the more the mopac, dividing yeah. line uh mopac and then i mean Selya did really well in a lot of central Austin. I mean, um, Hyde park too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Watson really, really depended on West of Mopac. I mean, he, especially like Terrytown, He just ran up huge margins. Um, and that's the thing, those people out there, they vote, you know, um, and, uh, but I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I think that there's a good chance Watson won't face, um, a meaningful opponent next year. I think if he plays his cards right, there will not be a, a well funded um opponent. Um I think uh you know I, I don't I don't know of anybody. I can't think of anybody right now. Um I think that but he has to play his card. I think that to me the safest bet if he's just a sort of you know pretty liberal mayor doesn't do anything to um, I think on this housing, this housing divide in the city, I think if he generally does the right thing on housing and doesn't try to appeal too much to the West Austin NIMBYs, frankly, um, he should be good. He shouldn't face significant opposition for Mm reelection. And I think he could look forward to something resembling uh, Mayor Adler's landside re-election in 2018 over Laura Morrison, where Adler was just sort of the consensus, kind of mainstream liberal with support from the business community, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if Watson somehow becomes more divisive and ends up, a, you know, takes a more conservative tack on housing or police. Those those are the two things I can think of. Then then I could see, you know, him drawing an opponent that, that sort of similar to Celia Israel ends up becoming this sort of symbol of a the more progressive side of the city, um, more pro-housing, more skeptical of police, more, you know, mm-hmm. et
0: cetera. I think yeah, the one X factor too, or one, one, I think one variable... And Mayor Watson's favor is that you have, for the time being, and you know, a city leadership executive team that is, I think, fairly aligned with his policies, mm-hmm. right? Which is so. Thusly, you're the X factors. What could happen with city on the city staff side? I think are more, more certain than in prior with prior mayors and prior city managers. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, right? We look at I mean, the, the biggest variable to me, because now we're this will happen in an election year, right? Is just What's happening nationally,
1: mm-hmm. and that yeah. we, won't, we won't know, yeah. right? But
0: I look at you just, just we won't. You never know until it's starting to happen. But I think just that's the the variable out of our we just, we don't know about, right? But it's definitely because we're the election year, and the reason we we align our our mayoral elections with presidential elections was to get more people to vote. So, uh, presumably, depending on the depending on who ultimately runs, if certain people are in the race. At the national level, it might have looked more more, you know, more more turnout. And then depending on as we saw when uh Trump won the election the previously, the you know, the the runoff uh turnout for those those seats, right? The ones that were in there was above, was well above norm. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. No, no, no. That that's that's the the biggest factor in local elections is often the the national trends. That's absolutely true. Um and so if we've got a, you know, Biden versus Trump, or, I mean, that, that's probably the best bet. Um, you know, obviously here in Travis County, you expect liberals are going to be very, very motivated to get to the polls. And um, how that affects the, our officially nonpartisan city races is it, it's hard to say. But again, but but. Either way, the campaigns, the local campaigns, become much more about aligning yourself with the top of the ticket, right? Mm -hmm. With anti-Trump, pro-Democrat stuff, just so that your low-information progressive voters um, just think, okay, I'm coming to the polls to vote, vote D all the way down, and Oh, I got that mailer from yeah, I think that's the progressive candidate for council yeah. there, you know.
0: Oh, we'll call people like us like, "Hey, who are you voting for?" like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, Jax, we have we have a few minutes left. I want to get to come back to uh, Austin the Austin Politics
1: newsletter. Where can people subscribe to it? Yeah, just go to austinpolitics.net. Um, that's the website uh, you can check out the articles on the website uh, there's a there's a big subscribe button at the top and you can either sign up for the the free version which gives you a you'll get a, a small preview of the newsletter every day or you can uh, sign up for the paid version which is either 12 bucks a month or 120 a year and but if you sign up for the paid version you automatically get a a, a free two week a two-week free trial after which you can you can cancel if, if you don't want to keep keep paying for it. Um so Austinpolitics.net, it comes four times a week. Uh we get into the weeds of local policy and but I try to make it very accessible and understandable to the to the layperson. Um would love to have you.
0: Yeah. We've been a subscriber for several years. I think that was one of the first, as you launched because you launched I mean newsletter around the time we launched the firm. January of
1: 2019.
0: Okay, 2 years after, right. But uh, yeah. I remember us I talking about it, but y'all for those uh these this is what you know, Austin, the Austin Politics newsletters with Insiders read. So trust me, I I I as a one and I know my colleagues are subscribers as well. It's something that if you want, you know, there are there's some other several great news sources for Austin politics uh um, in the community, but this is one I think that Jack does a great job of going very in depth and Um, but it is something that, uh, it's, it's worth the, I think a nominal fee to get the same information that insiders definitely reading and scanning and analyzing. So with that, Jack Craver, again, is the creator and author reporter of the, with the Austin politics news newsletter, APN we will have links to all that in the show notes, Jack, this is a great show. I think we haven't gone the full 40 minutes on zoom, zoom number anyway, in in a while, uh, Love to have you back on. Maybe, maybe it's more regular. I think uh, you know we, this was um, the time flew by. <laughs>
1: Thanks, AJ. I appreciate it. I've had a great time.
0: Thank you for listening to the BG Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share with your colleagues. The BG Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. The BG Podcast is a product of the Bingham Group LLC an Austin-based lobbying firm serving businesses, nonprofits, and trade associations at the municipal and state level. You can learn more about the Bingham Group at www.binghamgp.com. That's B-I-N-G-H-A-M-G-P.com. And for the latest firm news and content updates, follow us on LinkedIn. we we'll have a link in the show notes. Thank you.